This is Comic Geek Speak episode 564, Spotlight on Superman in the Modern Age, 2000 to Present. Welcome to Comic Geek Speak. I'm Brian Deemer. I'm Adam Murdo. I'm Shane Kelly. And I'm Brian Christman. And welcome to the show. This episode of Comic Geek Speak is sponsored by the amazing Stupendous Drawer Boxes. That's right. If you don't know what drawer boxes are, then you don't know nothing. <laughs> uh, drawer boxes are these awesome inventions uh, from a guy named Rich out in Colorado. And uh, he was tired of lifting heavy comic boxes off, off of huge piles in order to get to the stuff that's in the bottom. And he said, man, it'd be awesome if my comics were in a drawer. But, you know, if I had big metal drawers or something, it'd be so expensive and they'd be hard to move around and that would suck. So I want cardboard boxes, but I want drawers. So he invented cardboard drawers called drawer boxes. And uh, they work amazingly well. You can have them stacked like six high and uh, you don't have any problems. The boxes don't crush. They're real durable. The drawers open no problem, even with all the other comics stacked on top. They're wonderful inventions, absolutely wonderful. I have all my comics in them. We got the comics in the studio in them. Shane's got them, Murd's got them. Mm-hmm. Pants has them, hasn't used them yet because he's too lazy to organize his stuff. Thank you. And, uh, but, you know, they are wonderful, wonderful things. Uh, if you see them, you, you're absolutely going to love them. So go to collectiondrawer.com to check them out. Uh, we know you won't be disappointed. And Rich, the owner, is one of the nicest guys on the planet. And uh, if you see him at a con... I don't know. He might be at the New York Con coming up. He, oh, he's yeah. usually there. I mean, he's I don't. I haven't there. talked to him, but I know he's usually there. Yeah. And he's he's a wonderful guy, and uh, he's really passionate about his product, and it, it deserves your support. And and it's gonna help you because man, once I switch to drawer boxes, I now have access to all my comics instead of never opening those ones on the bottom. Uh, they really are wonderful. And uh, so go to collectiondrawer.com, check them out. I promise you, you won't be disappointed. All right, we are going to talk about Superman in the modern modern age, and to help us talk about that, we have one of our listeners, Scott Gardner. He goes by New Fun Number Six on the forum. Welcome to the show, Scott. Thank you. Thank you very much. It's uh, it's an honor to be here. Well, we thank you for joining us. The pleasure is all ours. We need all the help we can get. Because <laughs> <laughs> you know how many comics, uh, <clears throat> Superman comics in the modern age, I've read. Ho. Oh! I don't know about three. What, that's about. Oh. So, so you, I'm going to let you guys take it away because I don't know what the hell I'm talking about on this episode. Well, what are we defining this as? I, I have an idea, Adam. Do you have a, some notes on that I as well? I think Peter's idea was for this to go from the uh, the Jeff Loeb Ed McGuinness uh, run on the character and uh, well, the other creative teams were on at the same time of the other titles right. uh, all the way up to the present day. And okay. what year were those books? I believe it was the year 2000. Right, because okay. we ended with um, the last one we did was the Burn Jurgens era, mm-hmm. and Jurgens ended, I think, with Superman 150. And I have my notes at 151 is where Jeff Loeb picked up. Mm-hmm. Now, it started with Mike McCone for the first few issues, but then, then uh, Ed McGinnis did jump on with, I think, 154. If I may, I'd just like to give a, just a brief little shout-out to kind of the, the missing link between those two eras was a, a brief little run where I believe Stuart Immerman, I know he did a lot of the art, but I think he did some of the writing as well, and there was a, a really good storyline in between there I'm not sure what it's called, if it's ever been traded, but I called it Superman Rex. It was basically where Superman took over the world and decided to run it his way. And he was controlled by some 
it's like a time traveling despot kind of thing. But it was a really good story, and I mention it only because I know that uh, that Brian really likes Immerman stuff on uh, Ultimate Spider-Man right now. But I, I think it was an unappreciated uh, Superman story, and it was it was pretty good stuff. Hmm. I want to say Dominus was the guy behind that. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Yeah. Oh, I know exactly what you're talking about. Yes. Yeah, he had all the robots flying around, and yeah. yes. Yeah, and one of those robots was the one that later killed uh, Donna Troy. Mm. Yes, in the That's graduation right. day story, which, mm-hmm. is, well, <laughs> I haven't read it, but the, uh, my understanding is it's crap. Yeah, not so good. It's notable for that one one event. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think Action Comics uh, were looking like around, it's like for sort of the same time frame, like around um, issue 760 when Joe Kelly took over. Mm-hmm. I think that uh, same time is when um, Loeb took over Superman. I think that, that was the switch over for, for the two main times. Yeah, there was, there was sort of a super a miniature Superman renaissance. There was a, a right. bit of buzz. DC was putting out a lot of hype about these four new creative teams mm-hmm. who were taking over the four Superman titles. Right, and you're right. It, it's cover dated like around November, December of, two, of 1999. So around 2000 is when we're, we're talking about as far yeah, as the roughly. time frame. Right. Yeah. J.M. DeMatteis was on Adventures of Superman, and um, I think Mark Schultz uh, was on Man of Steel. Yeah, before we go any further into this, though, uh, Scott, uh, would you like to give uh, a little uh, mini-biography of your history with the Superman character, your loves, your hates? Oh, goodness. Um, <laughs> that <laughs> could be a you... whole show in itself. Um, briefly, um, just I, I'm not sure exactly when I discovered Superman, but one of my earliest Superman memories was being allowed to stay up very late. And this was about, I'm thinking I was maybe five, six years old, and waiting with bated breath for the Superman the Musical on TV, if, you're, if you know what I'm talking oh, about. It's a bird, it's a plane, it's Superman. That's it, yeah. And this was a couple of years before, uh, before the Superman movie with Christopher Reeve. And I don't know if that was my first exposure, but anyway, I, that stuck in my memory for a long, long time. And... Between that and then the movie a couple of years later, and and just growing up with the with the comics, um, I've just always loved Superman. I'm I'm a huge Superman fan, and uh, and then when Byrne did his uh, his revamp um, in '86, I mean from then on I was I was a pretty faithful fan, but I won't say I bought every single issue because I was kind of disappointed to find that the Superman of the comics was not the Superman of the movie, and. But with Burns' revamp, I mean, I've been on board ever since and, and got just about all of his appearances, no matter how minor, anywhere post-crisis. So I won't say I'm an expert because I've got the same spotty memory problems that, that Brian does, but, uh, <laughs> but I have read most everything that's out there for, for Superman and, and really like him. Um, although some of the stuff that they're doing right now in the in the most modern of modern age stuff is leaving me just a little bit cold. All right. What's next? Okay, where do we <laughs> jump into the, the <laughs> modern I was afraid age? I lost you guys for a second there. <laughs> no, buddy, I, I always forgot about the third title, well, the main title. Uh, Adventure Comics, I'm sorry, Adventures of Superman. Again, we're talking like around issue 573. That was actually the Stuart Emmerman Story, I think you're referring to, because that was that's what I have in the hmm. the, the, the Superman notes. Rex story that's got. I, I believe so, right? Well, he he became. Oh, I'm not sure. I'm. It may be just a little. I think he may have actually switched titles, or maybe not. Maybe I've got my eras confused. I was thinking it was just a little bit prior to that four new creative team okay. 
changeover. I think he may have actually gone from action or Superman to adventures, but now I'm getting my, my super history a little bit messed up here. I'm not sure exactly what era this was. What do you have, Adam, for, for starters? Um, well, my notes for this episode are going to be very spotty because uh, what you got to remember is I haven't read this period of Superman history. Still? Well, yeah, I mean, I'm only caught up as far as the middle of 2000, so most of this era is future history to me. <laughs> so it's going to be hard for me to discuss this intelligently, but uh, what I have you. jotted down is just some vague remembrances okay. from having and read uh, journalistic write-ups of these things or having skimmed through them when I bought them. And I guess we'll try to avoid the, as much as we can spoil it, but there will be some. Don't, don't even bother I me. Mean, for crying out loud. Well, also for the listener's sake. You know. I'm this far behind in my reading. It's my my own fault. <laughs> uh, I did want to throw out at the beginning, though, the Superman Y2K one-shot, yes, which kicks off, in my mind at least, this period of Superman correct. history, because it, 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 it rung in the new millennium, quote-unquote, which technically doesn't begin to the year 2001, well, but that's another even, argument altogether. <laughs> um, so well, the Y2K Superman end-of-the-century hardcover um, graphic novel that came out takes place on this very same night, so they actually kind of conflict with each other. That you, you can't really marry the two up, although they are supposed to both be in continuity at, you know, for, the, for the character at that time. So that's kind of a strange, strange thing that came out you know, exactly the same time. Mm-hmm. And uh, End of the Century was actually a, a slightly better read, too. Mm-hmm. Uh, I haven't read it, but I'm willing to believe it, because I don't remember Y2K being that great. And I just read it no. recently, too. No. I guess the... Big thing that came out of that was how it sort of modernized Metropolis. Yeah, yeah. Well, well Superman that... and Batman, both uh, Gotham and Metropolis, both got uh, image overhauls that year. And for uh, the direction they decided to take with Metropolis was to make it literally a city of tomorrow, oh, yeah. a city of the future. And uh, they accomplished this through uh, Brainiac thirteen derived nanotechnology yes. that uh, impregnated the whole place and transformed every building and machine in the place into like a, a futuristic version of itself. So for a while, Metropolis had all these shiny, uh, retro-futuristic-looking spires and these jet-powered flying cars, and it was kind of surreal. And it also didn't last, obviously, because if you look at Metropolis right. nowadays, it, it looks just like a contemporary city again. So I haven't read up far enough to know how the uh, Brainiac 13 nanotech went away, but... Uh, for a little while there, at about the same time as the the Loeb, McGinnis, Joe Kelly, etc., uh, creative team shakeup, the city of Metropolis had got a, a dynamic new look. Mm-hmm. Uh, I guess a couple of other major storylines around that time after Y2K. Well, I, one of the things was, I think around that time, the Daily Plant reopened. I think it was, mm-hmm. I don't remember how, but... Was that when Bruce Wayne bought it? Um, the way I remember it is, uh, they, they did that special save the planet one shot. Okay. And, uh, I think the, the upshot was, uh, Lex Luthor bailed out the planet, okay. but, uh, in exchange for that, Lo- Lois Lane went to him for help and mm-hmm. he said he would uh, bail out the planet in exchange for her being willing to kill one new story of Lex's choice oh, at a later time. That's, that's right. right. I remember that. And actually also around this time, there was the whole, um, lecture president. Yes, President Lex. Yeah, actually, the last Superman comic from that time period that I think I read, and this is going back over the summer already, that tells you how little time I've had to read for the last few months, was the issue of uh, Adventures of Superman, wherein uh, Lex announced his candidacy for for the Tomorrow Party platform for president. Is that, Scott, you sort of remember anything about that as well? 
Yeah, yeah. This was a yeah. This was a, an era I really was enjoying uh, what was going on with with Superman, and uh, one of the stories that was right in the same uh, era that I really enjoyed was the one. Um, I think most of the story was was self contained in uh, Action Seven Sixty Six. It was one where we find out that Superman is di- uh, slowly dying of kryptonite uh, radiation poisoning and doesn't know why. Right, uh, it's critical, the critical condition storyline. Yeah, it, it led into that, but 766, it, it's it's really almost a standalone issue because at the very end of the story, they really, uh, Joe Kelly was the writer on that, and he really did a masterful job of, you know, Superman had just died, you know, the, the whole death of Superman and the resurrection story had not been that many years before this, but he did a great job of making you actually think, wow, you know, he, it feels like he's dying all over again without it seeming, you know, cliched or without you going, ah, he'll be back, you know, very next issue or whatever. And that, that issue just always really stood out for me. It was the last issue of the, uh, the search for Lois Lane where we found out that the parasite had, uh, had been standing in for Lois and stuff like that. And, and it led into critical, uh, critical condition, which was a pretty good story. But the Lex Luthor thing, um, was just, that was really, I thought that that showed a lot of guts on DC's part to to take a character like that and uh, and actually move him into that role because that's something that it didn't seem like they were going to ever be able to come back from you know that they were ever going to be be able to come off of they they sort of have and it's sort of strange I think you know years from now that they will actually be able to use that character and there won't be references back to him being president. But at the time, it seemed like, wow, this is something they won't ever be able to backpedal from, you know? <laughs> they won't be able to distance themselves continuity-wise from something like that. Uh, can you imagine him still having secret service details around him? <laughs> yeah, that sort of, yeah, that was the sort of thing I mean, you know, as, as you know, if he ever decided to go back into supervillainy or whatever, you know, he would still have su- secret service protection. He would still be referred to as Mr. President, uh-huh. stuff like that. Yeah. But since they, they've kind of gotten away with that, or gotten away from it since then, but at the time that it was new and fresh, it seemed like, wow, you know, that's, you know, that's really gutsy. But also, how are they going to be pull, you know, how would they pull it off once he's out of office, kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Another story around this time, which I really loved, and it actually took a while for it to be reprinted, uh, was the Superman Emperor Joker storyline. Mm-hmm. Yes. Originally solicited as Superman Arkham because they wanted to be all hush hush about uh, oh, see, the, the actual that. yeah yeah there was like a a four issue deal with it. I remember there were playing card oh, right. imagery on the cover like the first issue was Superman mm-hmm. and then Bizarro, Bizarro on the flip side it was sort of like the King of Hearts mm-hmm. and uh, yeah and the, the title of it was Superman Arkham and it was building up to the Emperor question mark question mark question mark question mark special oh. yeah so the solicits uh, were coy about who the big bad was going to be then eventually we learned it was the Joker. And the playing card imagery should have been a hint. Yeah. I, I enjoyed that story, too. Um, I read the issues as they came out, and recently, as as I'm trying to get rid of some issues, I picked up that trade for like 4 or $5 somewhere. Um, I forget where even, but real cheap, and, and something that I wanted to have and reread and get rid of the issues. Yeah, that story is particularly near and dear to my heart because it gave us it gave Bizarro number one, literally number one with a name tag and everything, a new lease on life. Because ever since John Byrne's Superman, the Man of Steel, Bizarro had been kind of a grim, tragic, Frankensteinian figure. 
And uh, this uh, Emperor Joker storyline made Bizarro wacky and nutty and uh, reverse talking again. He was kind of like a big, crazy, uh, zombie, redneck bodybuilder. <laughs> At least the way Ted McGinnis drew him. He, he looked like that. Mm-hmm. Bad teeth and all. But yes, yes, Bizarro was brought back closer to the way I like him with that story. Remember that one? I, that story I actually read as it was coming out. Okay, I was going to say, because... I don't know where you go with your with your reading and everything. Yep, so every once in a while I'll make exceptions. The, the, the main <laughs> reason I did in this case was because uh, at the time I was still in college working on my undergraduate honors thesis, and the subject of that was the mythological trickster archetype in comics. And you know, the wow. Joker certainly qualifies. Mixius Pitlick, who played a part in that story, right. qualifies. Bizarro himself sort of qualifies. So I wanted to make sure I read that story and used it in my thesis. Very good. Uh, let's see. What else we have going around that time, Adam? Any other notes? Because right, right around, hmm. let's see, what's, that's like around the October 2000 in the that area. Um, yeah, I think a little bit after that, close to the end of the year 2000, one of my favorite uh, single comics ever was released. Um, and it's not really a Superman comic, but it, it's entitled Superman, Batman, World's Funnest. It's an Elseworlds oh, story, and yes. it's, it's Mixes Pitlick and Batmite going oh. on a rampage throughout all of DC reality. I love that special. There's so many artists mm. who worked on that, like do two pages and things. I mean, I mean, Alex Ross did it. Some Frank Cho did some. I think actually Sheldon Moldoff did some. He pages did. For he that. absolutely did. Because I mean, he helped with the you know the Batmite of his era, and that was just so funny. Mm-hmm. Written by Evan Dorkin, if I yes, remember correctly. Yes, Evan Dorkin. Oh, milk and cheese fame. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, so. forgot, I almost forgot all about that. That's, that is that is a great catch. Yeah, I read that one when it was coming out, too. Because, you know, Mixes Pit, like Bad Might, Tricksters, perfect. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and Scott, the, feel free to jump the in. The one I really wanted to pick you guys' brain over to, to get your reaction, and I, I hope Adam has read this, was Superman's second series, number 166. Because this is, for me, where the whole modern-age Superman started to kind of turn on its ear a little bit. And, mm-hmm. and I think this was where it really began to divert, you know, to uh, split off from the, the burn revamp mm. was this was the, the real truth about Krypton mm. issue where right. suddenly we're, we're told that, that basically the Krypton of, of the burn revamp was a lie and that he actually came from a very silver-agey Krypton. And this led into the return to Krypton story, which... I had a lot of trouble following. They went into the Phantom Zone to access Krypton or something like that, and Crypto ended up being rescued out of the whole thing, and it got really strange. And I'm just wondering what what you guys thought of that particular storyline. No, I I agree. It did get a little convoluted with with where everything was coming from, and given all this history about the fact that it was that it was supposed to be the way Byrne had set it up, it it really took took away from what I was enjoying about Superman at that time for what I was reading. Um, I liked that crypto came out of it, but other than that, it, it was very convoluted, and I, I was not pleased with all the return to Krypton stuff that was going on. Yeah, I can't even say that I really remember that all that well. I mean, I've read it, but again, I've read it since it came out, and this is like you know about eight years ago. Did you ever get into that, Adam? Uh, I have it in my notes, but uh, no, I, I, I definitely have all the issues of that and of the Return to Krypton 2 that they yeah. did a little bit later right, on. Right. Um, I right. also have in my notes that S- Superman number 166 that you just mentioned, Scott, uh, had a shiny foil cover. Yes, is, that's right. <laughs> Looking at are, it right now. <laughs> is it shiny? <laughs> it was uh, one of those hollow foil type of, type of deals. It's like Superman looks, you know, really 
you know, and he's, he's all colored and everything like he normally is, but then the background's all this shiny foil-looking thing. It's a beautiful McGinnis art, yeah, he, he's but the story like, left uh, me really cold. Is he, like, yelling? Yeah, uh, Pants just called up an image of the cover. He's, uh, as yeah, it's a Hulk smash apart. cover, basically, yeah. <laughs> everything I know is a lie. Yeah. And then, of course, it turned out that uh, the Silver Age Krypton was a lie. It was... It was, uh, if I'm remembering right, uh, was it like Brainiac 13 found uh, some planet in the Phantom Zone populated by primitive life forms, and he just terraformed it and uh, genetically engineered the life forms on the planet and turned it into a doppelganger of Krypton, except you know, all uh, idealized and Silver Agey in order to play with Superman's head and entrap him. Wow. Oh, you know, now that you say that, that rings a bell. That may be right. But it, I think it, it definitely. Well, I was going to say it definitely begat. I think it, it laid the seeds for kind of what's going on currently mm. yes, with I... with Superman. With basically, we're we're being uh, brought back to that Silver Age. You know, they're definitely bring, it's it's like a strange hybrid of this Silver Age Krypton and then the 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 movie. You know, the Superman uh, films version of uh, mm-hmm. of Krypton, kind of a strange melding of the two. But I, I, I trace all that right back to this particular issue and, and that particular storyline with where I think we're, we're headed now is that it seemed to kick off a sort of, I don't like a nostalgic feel for that era or something, and now they're trying to, to very actively bring it back. And I'm, I'm wondering how it's working, you know, because I, I hear an awful lot of people, you know, in my circle of friends that don't seem to care for it, but I, I, I'm wondering how it's doing as far as, you know, what, what do the masses really think? I, I haven't heard much about it one way or the other. Now, are you ca- reading it right now, Adam? Or? Well, I'm just skimming it, as okay. I do with everything I buy. <laughs> and I know we're in the middle of this new Krypton story now, right. which involves the city of Kandor and all these thousands of superpower Kryptonians who are all of a sudden flying around the mm-hmm. planet, which is not something that they did in the Silver Age, or at least not in this way. And yeah, I'm I'm still not crazy about it, but I mean, this is something that's not going to go away. I mean, I believe they just announced or just solicited uh, Superman. I want to say it's like the new, like a, a twelve issue new Krypton series where he's going to be sort of like leaving the Earth. Am I? That's what I got out of it. I'm not too keen on it either. I was yeah. really excited at first, but as it's gone on, it's it's getting long-winded to me. Mm-hmm. You mean the the current new Krypton story? Yeah, and then to to see the solicitation of something, 12 more issues that he may not even be on Earth, I'm eh, I'm very hesitant to read yeah, that. They've, they've done the Superman Leaves Earth thing before. Of course, this is very different circumstances, right. but all the same. And, of course, Superman's not going to be in action comics for the time right. that he's out in space. Mm-hmm. They're going to try other features in that title for the first time in who knows how right. long. Now, actually, so, I think... Probably just... since the weekly stuff. Yeah. Well, Superman was still in the... There's like a little two-page yeah. comic strip style thing in there. But I think the idea is Superman's not going to be in action at all, mm. which is almost right. unheard of. And now, around this time, I think... I think... That trick never works. That's right. I, very I think, true, it doesn't. I think just before this 166 Superman, there was another big issue, Action 775. Ah, uh, yes. What, the Joe what's Kelly. so funny about truth, justice, and the American way? Nothing at all, as uh, far as I'm concerned. This was the first uh, introduction of... Uh, Manchester Black, Black and, and the, the Elite. elite. Mm-hmm. 
Oh, yes. yes, very significant issue, very highly regarded. They did a reprinting of it, I remember yes, they that, did. because I could, I missed the first printing oh, of it. Oh, a pox upon you. Tick, uh, yes, I, I am poxed. <laughs> so Manchester Black and the Elite were kind of like a th- the authority ripoffs because the authority was at the peak of its popularity at that point right. and seemed to be taking over the superhero genre. And so these were doppelgangers for those characters that Joe Kelly brought in to put up against the archetype of old-school superheroism. And sure enough, Superman uh, came out on top in that confrontation. As he always does, generally. Now, did that... How close are we to, like, Our World's at War? That's the next thing I have, is the Our World's at War. Uh, It's cover dated, like, uh, August of 2001. Mm -hmm. Now, it was very universe-spanning. It 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 wasn't contained. Right, it was the the JSA involved, um, Wonder Woman involved, Superman. Mm -hmm. I'm trying to remember the exact... I know, Empirix, was that how you say Empirix? Imperiax. Yeah, that's how I thought it was, was Imperiax. Imperiax, okay. This was the first bigger storyline that in DC that I had enjoyed in quite some time. You had all these other ones before it that kind of like, kind of petered out, I guess, for, I don't know how else to describe it, but Our Worlds at War, I really enjoyed almost all the crossovers, tie-ins, and what had happened. It, it was It was better than most things out by DC at that time for... Bigger events. Yeah, it was about a three-month-long uh, event. I mean, it went through Action Comics, Adventure, Batman. There's a couple of specials, even like a Harley Quinn special. Uh, Superboy, Supergirl, Superman, Man of Steel, Wonder Woman, like I mentioned, Young Justice. A lot, lot. It was, it was yeah. a, sort of a... Now, it was just in the issues. There wasn't really a R was at War no. book. There was a couple of specials, but there was no actual book. It was just ran through all the issues. I, the one thing I remember out of, out coming out of that the biggest thing was Apollo died. Apollo, yeah. That was a big thing mm-hmm. I remember coming out of that. Yeah. Um, I remember, help me out with my memories here, Scott or Adam, anyone jump in. Like, Lex Luthor was also trying to help prevent this this big thing was coming towards the Earth, mm-hmm. if I'm not mistaken. Mm-hmm. I think Brainiac was also involved. I mean, I, I mean it's, it's been so while since I've read this. Scott, am I remembering this at all? I, I, my memories on this are spotty. I read the whole thing and really enjoyed it, and, and I'm racking my brains to try to remember. Lex Luthor was doing something, and I, I want to say he he had something going on with, with Darkseid, but oh, I don't remember yeah, what the whole right. deal was. So, yeah, he made, he made a pact with Darkseid to help get rid of the stuff that was invading. Right. That's right, and then his, his thing was he was going to, to basically try to like reverse engineer apocalyptic technology for his own benefit or something to that degree. But the big thing that, that always sticks out in my memory with that whole storyline was, was the death of Hippolyta, which I wish they hadn't backpedaled on. And mm-hmm. I'm, that's not to say I don't like the guy. I love the character, but I thought she, she just went out in a very spectacular way. Mm-hmm. But beyond that, I honestly I need to sit down and reread that story. Yeah. But there was a Superman issue in that whole thing that I remember got a lot of press at the time because it was – one of the, I think it was the first post um, Worlds at War issue oh, that showed yes. the destruction, and it showed two towers. Yes. They were, I think they were two LexCorp towers exactly. all destroyed, and huh. this was right after nine eleven. I, so. I saw that. I, I, I think he's. I can't. He was. He's sitting somewhere. I want to see with, the, with Green Lantern. They're just sitting somewhere, and you see in the background, yeah, these two towers, and it was it just blew my mind. I was like, holy crap! I mean, it was just. I don't remember that. Yeah, I remember oh. all about that. It was a total coincidence, oh, but boy, exactly, did it yeah. cause a big stink. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah, I can't remember the exact issue. I have to go dig that out. 
for a while, I remember that issue was banned on eBay because people oh, were trying to cash really? in on, on the deal. Because I think it got pulled, if I remember correctly. I think eventually there was wow. such a stink that they pulled it from newsstands. Oh my and God. the ones that had you know, survived before the pull started to pop up immediately on eBay. And eBay, for a short while, they banned that and they banned the Spider-Man, Spider-Man issue that, issue, that right. was the 9-11 issue as well. Wow. Yeah, I forgot about that. But you're reading that... Yeah, you get to the end. It's like the very last page. You see that it is a Lex Tower, but it's these two towers standing up. Oh, it was really, really eerie at that time. Now, how does um, Wade's birthright fit in here? That is something I stayed away from because I didn't think it was part of continuity. It was just a story. I wish I could speak eloquently on it. I mean, I've read it. I remember actual Lionel U did the pencils on it, which, which now that you know he's done the things, I'm more appreciative of that now. But I know that it's actually been pretty much tossed away i'm pretty okay. sure yeah. i mean does it this... didn't take very long okay uh, from what i remember about it primarily is that uh, i'm usually pretty much a completist when it comes to miniseries you no know, in for a penny in for a pound uh-huh, you start okay. to buy it you got to finish buying it this is one of the very few times in my history of collecting where i bought the first issue of a miniseries and just dropped it wow. right there i don't even remember why specifically i just remember thinking to myself uh stinky poo poo <laughs> This is not the direction I want to see Superman going in. Again, my, rec- again my recollections of this are, I guess, they, did they tie Lex into Smallville with Clark at that time? Where they were like friends in Smallville? Yeah, yeah. The, the influence of the oh, Smallville so the, the TV, TV show, show was okay. definitely being okay. felt there. Wow. Yeah, because we had Lex as a kid. You know, you know the, the Byrne revamp established that Lex Luthor was actually significantly older than Clark Kent. Mm-hmm. But here, all of a sudden, he's been de-aged down to a, a little bit older than Clark Kent, and they were friends, and or at least acquaintances, in Smallville, the, the town Smallville, just like they are in the TV show yeah. Smallville. And, yeah, that, that's another reason why I think I decided I didn't want any part of this particular reimagining. Yeah. Scott, can you give any insight into that for us? I, I don't. I, I shouldn't probably talk smack about something I haven't read. I do own it, and I've thumbed through it, but it was one of these things. I picked it up for like 10 cents an issue, which was about the only way I was going to buy it. I remember hearing um, either on the net or from friends that it basically just you know took a dump all over Burns' revamp, so I really had very little interest in it. But it's such a beautiful to look at. I mean, the art's gorgeous. that I, When it fell in my lap for so cheap, I picked it up. But uh, I think... From what I know of it, I, I think it was almost mandated, you know, we must tie Superman comics to Smallville, which was such a big hit at the time. And I think it was a little transparent to people that that's exactly what they were trying to do. But again, that's just an impression from not having actually read it. Yeah, but again, I, I read it at the time, and I didn't, I didn't, I didn't have a problem with it at the time, but yeah, apparently it's really gotten, and that was actually, that was, that was like 2003 Okay. 2004, when that uh, when that came out, September of 2003 to 2004. Okay. Um, but actually, to backpedal a little bit, one of the things just like right after the uh, Our Worlds at War that that went away was the triangles. Remember oh, the yes. triangles? Oh, yes. fondly, uh-huh. yes. Uh, I believe they they ended with uh, issues covered dated January of uh, 2002, and it's weird because now they're actually coming back. Yeah, yeah. They, I brought, they that. brought it back with the um, new Krypton, Krypton, the new the new Krypton yeah, the new special Krypton stuff. But that that was the numbering uh, throughout the, all the titles: Superman, uh, Action Comics, The Adventure of Superman, and I believe The Man of Steel. Where they were, you sort of read them in this particular. Well, they could be read in that order, but then they got away from that and went to sort of self-contained stories in those uh, those issues. But yeah, everything old is new again. Bring the triangles back. Yeah, that's right. one of the 
truisms of com- superhero comics in general. <laughs> All right, Adam, you have anything else coming up after um, our world at war? Uh, well, let's see. We're talking about two thousand, uh, the two thousand. Right, we're in sort of two thousand, two thousand. Um, I have here the ending battle story. Uh, okay. This was an eight-part crossover uh, going over all the Superman titles. Uh, it happened in uh, 2002. Um, the story, it's kind of like, uh, it's a little like uh, whatever happened to the Man of Tomorrow, and it's a little like uh, Nightfall. It's uh, Manchester Black uh, uses his mental powers to coerce or convince a whole bunch of Superman and other, well, just villains in general, many Superman villains, including some that hadn't been seen in continuity for a while, like the Master Jailer, for example. And he just uh, sent them out to take down or eliminate just about everyone in super in Clark Kent's life, from uh, his wife right down to his dentist. And eventually Superman has to gather them all up and bring them to safety, and there's like a big uh, final confrontation with Manchester Black. And I think... And he ends up killing himself, if I'm remembering this correctly. And um, it's, it's significant because Jeff Johns uh, had a hand in writing it. Oh, wow. Now, before I forget, after Our Worlds at War, um, his, his Superman changed his costume. He had the, the black right. background like on the while, he, forgot he about that. took the yellow took out of his S shield and replaced it with black. Because of the mourning. Right. It was like that for months. Yeah. Well, it, year, it's, it's in this, this uh, storyline, the, the never-ending battle. It's, the it's, ending it's, battle. I'm sorry, ending battle. It's, it's in this storyline where he's still wearing the uh, that costume. Mm-hmm. Yes, and the title is uh, inaccurate, incidentally. The battle did not end. <laughs> <laughs> so that's like around 2002. We got that storyline. Yep, 2002. Okay, when's um, when's Superman Batman title come into this? Because Superman Batman, yeah, that's... Uh, McGinnis cover date, that too. August 2003, I think it okay. was. Uh, yeah, well, I guess we can touch on that. That was, that was huge for me. That was... To me, the best Superman stuff I was reading at that time. Right, mm-hmm. because um, Jeff Loeb's run ended with, I have like 183 for Superman. That's when he ended that run. And I guess he sort of, I guess, went from that into, right into Superman mm-hmm. Batman. Yeah. Which, wow, yeah, again, that for two years, yeah, solid. For two years, That two was pretty much years. the flagship, as far as I'm concerned, yep. mm-hmm. the DC flagship title. Yeah, and Peter I, has said that about the title, too, that it was like the, big, the hottest thing going at DC. And I thought that would have crashed like nobody's business because I thought just another Superman Batman team up title it was really good though and it was fantastic oh, yeah. um, that is some of my <clears throat> favorite stories those first two years that I've ever read yeah the, the first storyline was six issues uh, with Ed McGinnis on art it was called the world's finest um, I guess it was sort of pretty much deal with um, Lex, Lex Luthor in the battle suit yeah and, and there was a whole like Robin and Superboy thing or something right or mm. wasn't there something with them and mm. There was. I don't know. I don't know if it was in that first or arc. Was it the second I, arc, maybe it might have been issue number twenty-six. That was the Sam that was, Loeb Memorial yeah, that issue. Was that Sam was Loeb Robin Memorial. and Superboy were in there. Um. Well, that that first arc ended with um. Was it Lex in the battle suit getting beat and kind of hinting to there something? There will be a crisis, crisis coming. coming. Yeah. That was yes. yeah. that was the first hint of uh. Well, to infinite me, crisis. infinite crisis coming. Mm-hmm. And one of those. Uh, one of those, I think it might be Countdown to Crisis or something like that. It was a book that came out for like 50 cents or a dollar. Mm-hmm. And you could look back through like where they dropped all the hints. And I think that's the, that says that that was the first reference yep. for uh, for the coming crisis was that, that Lex Luthor panel. I believe you're right, Scott. I can remember seeing that panel reproduced in the book you're talking about. The third volume of that had uh, Carlos, Carlos Pacheco. Pacheco. Yes, yeah. I knew you were going to get to that, yeah. Is that the absolute 
Absolute power. Yeah, absolute absolute power. power. Oh yeah, yes, yeah. where the Legion were um, has sort of a parental them. Yeah, that was a fantastic story. Yeah, pretty cool. Yeah, yeah, that was pretty cool. But we're skipping the middle part. Yeah, between sorry. that, um, the return of Supergirl. That was Michael Turner. I, whole, you know, yeah. I really enjoyed that. Yes, bringing bringing the original Kara right back to continuity, yes. and that that was huge at the, at the time. Yep. Yeah, of course. There, there have been another uh, this sort of uh, non-starter Supergirl character shortly before that, uh, mm-hmm. introduced in the Superman: The Ten Cent Adventure one shot oh, in two thousand three, yes. written by Stephen Siegel. Uh, the character was called Sir L, and she was supposedly Superman's daughter from an alternate timeline. Right. And eventually, it turned out that the whole thing was just a ruse once again, <laughs> perpetrated a, by Brainiac. Ruse. By Brainiac a thirteen. Ruse, that guy. Just, that guy again. He's he stop. gets in the, oh. That freaking guy. He's big on the ruses. <laughs> so, yeah, it's, as I seem to recall that in the Silver Age, there was some kind of uh, super girl, well, super hyphen girl character that they brought out as a test for Karazora. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's, it's funny you say that because I right. always got, you know, I always uh, was reminded of that character by Sorrel, but I don't know if it was intentional or not. But that's strange you say that because that's exactly the impression I had. I liked her character, and I was kind of bummed. You know who she reminded me of when they when they pulled that? Oh, it was just a ruse. Do you remember Laurel Kent from the Legion of Superheroes? Yeah, wasn't she supposed to? She was like a tool of the Manhunters. She turned yeah, out to be a well, robot or something. Yeah, that's how they spun it eventually. But originally, she was supposed to be a descendant of Superman, and, and I'm presuming Lois Lane. You know, she was she was like part of the Kent lineage, and she had like. A fraction of Superman's powers, and then they, when they did, uh, oh, what is that event? A Millennium. She was a Manhunter, and it, it really was a letdown. And I had kind of the same reaction with with Sorrel because I was coming to like her despite the just horrid costume that she wore. Mm. Yeah, Laurel Kent's costume was pretty memorable. I must say, I seem to recall it was just like a big uh, poncho. Yeah, it was a, a red uh, thing with a Superman symbol on it, and. I was kind of imagining that she was wearing nothing under it. Look at Merge Mind wandering. Well, it's the 30th century. You know, morals are not what they are. But yeah, that that title, okay. Superman Batman, was just, just um, for, again, for two years, through 26, as far as I'm concerned, mm-hmm. it was... Yeah. I mean, it's fallen... That was the cat's meow. Yeah, it's fallen down Yeah, it's down completely irrelevant now. Ever since Loeb left, basically, with issue 26. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mark yep. uh, Verheiden, is he who... No, wait a minute. Well, number 26 was the Sam Loeb That's issue. That's correct. So the... Yeah, 27 is when they started with um, going... Uh, I think that was a one-shot with... Um, actually, that was a pretty good one-shot, I think, with the Huntress and a Power oh, Girl. Oh, yeah, yeah. Where, Ethan uh... Van Skyver, I think, did, did lose the cover, but that, that was a really great story. It had some Earth 2 elements involved in it. But mm-hmm. then you get into the enemies among us... Classic Man and Superman and Lex Luthor, that had me confused. So yeah, as far as I'm, the less said about the rest of that story. I, I, yeah, I stopped reading I stopped right after, after Carlos Pacheco. I yeah. might have the that Supergirl Huntress issue you're talking about, but I don't know that I've read it. Power but everything Girl. else after that, uh, Power Girl, I'm sorry. Hmm. Everything else after that, I didn't even pick up. I stopped cold turkey with that one. What about you, Scott? Did you... Um... Continue on with that comic book at all, or honestly, I can't remember. The last thing I can remember was was the absolute power, and the other ones you're mentioning are not ringing a bell. So I guess I must have bailed after that too. But I remember an issue with a. It was like a a, a small kid. I think they actually called him Toy Man, and he yes. made a giant composite Superman yes. yep. 
robot thing or something been, like was that, that before or after well i think he came in appearance in issue seven of that run but then yeah. I, I think he might have shown up later oh, okay one of the things that actually ran through the, the first like 20 some issues was the oh, let's see if i get this right the kingdom come superman i believe remember how like, he kept he showed up there was a thing with, the, with his time oh, yeah. dispersing yep. things and when he finally made his final appearance in the run, I don't want to spoil it, but it just harkens back literally to what happened to the Man of Tomorrow, that storyline. When it brought that all full circle, I was like, oh, it was just, it was just so cool to see that, you know, both visually and everything. Hmm. But yeah, because there's that With a Vengeance storyline that ended out the whole um, Loeb um, run on that title. Yeah, Superman and Batman versus uh, well, people from a bunch of alternate realities, including some people who look a lot like the Ultimates from right. Ultimate Marvel. There's also a, a Batwoman and a Super you know, woman they sort of introduced in that storyline. Was that the uh, Batzaro? Also, yeah, yes. Bat-Zaro. Batzaro. That I did not read. I loved the concept and the the figure. I don't have it, but I, I have the figure. Um, <laughs> but I didn't. I didn't read that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, not a big toy buyer, but I got me a Batzaro action <laughs> figure. Well, I recall you guys did an episode way, way, way back about uh, some of the greatest uh, cliffhanger, you know, like holy crap cliffhanger endings in comics of all time. And I just thought of uh, that uh, image of. The uh, whatever happened to the man of uh, tomorrow, yeah. Superman holding the '60s style Batmobile over his head and about to smash Batman with it. That was one of those kind of endings. That was fantastic. <laughs> yeah. uh, I guess for what I have, the, the next big thing, as far as I have it in Superman history, is um, with uh, Jim Lee and Brian Azzarello and their run on yeah. Superman. Oh, yes, for tomorrow, yeah. and and it came after. Uh, Batman Hush, mm-hmm. sort of like the, the same treatment for Superman, and I, I was terribly disappointed. Yeah, this ran from issues two hundred four to two fifteen of the Superman title from June of two thousand four to May of two thousand five. And yeah, I must agree. I was we was we're so spoiled with how well Hush did. Yeah, and to have this come along, I mean, I, I read it. It just it, it just, started out a little it started interesting. In, you, you sort of came in. You felt as, at least I did. You felt you were coming to the middle of stories you were reading it at the beginning, and then, yeah. I mean, yeah, you stuck with, it, but for a whole year, I was like, "Well, it just wasn't a very straightforward Superman story." It was, right? It, it was very confusing, and yeah. it was back flash flashbacks and weird priest things, and you're I like, "What is have going on?" It. And I read the first four or five issues, and and that's it. I couldn't, I couldn't stand it. There were other things, so many other things I cared to read, <laughs> even Superman related, that I just stopped. Yeah, it was a little it. tough to get through. Scott, do you have any thoughts on that? I read it and deleted it. I, I honestly Ooh. can't remember much other than, like Shane said, I, I was disappointed. Um, but actually, it's funny you mentioned Hush, because my my disappointment with the whole thing wasn't really even so much the content of the book, is that I was really hoping we would get the other side of the coin of the Superman-Batman fight. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, typically when two characters fight in, in one of the characters, so like in, if Superman and... and Thor fought in Thor, Thor wins. If Superman and Thor fight in Superman, Superman wins. So I was kind of hoping that we would get round two where this time they would show that Superman comes out on top in a battle like that. I know that's kind of a silly thing to expect, but I kind of thought they would throw the fans a bone, and when they didn't do that and it was this just kind of strange and off-putting story, I, I didn't I didn't particularly care for it. I felt it but was, the art was beautiful. The art was beautiful, but I thought it was more of a forced story to say, hey, we're doing a similar thing to Superman with big writers, 12 issues long, whole year spanning thing. And, and like you, I was just looking for a similar, more literal thing with 
Superman, a lot of his bad guys, in some kind of cool story, and for one year, that's I'd be entertained. Did it feel forced to you, like like maybe they, they did it, but their heart wasn't really in it? Like, Absolutely. Like someone may, might have said to them, gosh, you guys did such a great job on Batman, here's Superman? Absolutely. Okay, yeah, that was the impression that, that I was kind of left with as well. But yeah. then we get into the, uh, post that, that's, that's, this is the end of the stuff where, uh, at least leading up to Infinite Crisis, mm-hmm. where suddenly it seemed like they pulled out of, uh, out of a funk. And I think that they, uh, for a time, they really were, were hitting a stride that Superman hadn't seen in a while. When we got to, uh, gosh, I'm trying to think of who the different teams were now. I know that Chuck Austin he was, was on, one of the writers. Yeah, I think action. On action. Yeah, and yeah. Ivan Reitz on action. This was when they also changed the uh, the bullet in the corner, wasn't it? To Superman breaking through chains for... For a little bit, yeah. Just action. a little while. You had Mark Verheyen and, and Ed Bennis. That's right, yes. Yeah. Yeah, that's when you had a, a bunch of um, sort of tie-ins, one-shots with you that went into uh, like the, the OMAC project, uh, Villains United, sort of Superman tying into all that. Yeah, well, Chuck Austin was a little before that, wasn't he? Oh, yeah, yeah, you're right, uh, with the whole Gog storyline that, yeah. that went through. That yeah. was Did not care for the way he wrote Superman, made him too much of a smartass. Uh, I'm sorry, which writer was this? Austin, Adam? Chuck Austin. Uh, I, don't, I don't know. I, <laughs> I don't want to disagree with you, but, I, you know, I, I'm not a fan, you know, I, I, I'm not a, you know, butt kisser for Chuck Austin. I, I think, you know, some of the criticisms that are out there for him are, are perfectly justified. But in this one case... I gotta tell you, I thought he nailed Superman in a way I hadn't seen Superman written in quite a while. He he was a bit of a smartass, but he was a smartass from the angle of, you know, I'm Superman, you know, and and so he. I think Superman, to a certain degree, if he really existed, he would be a little bit. You know, you look at uh, Reeves' portrayal of Superman in, in the films. He's a little bit arrogant without being a pompous ass, you know. He he's just a little bit like, I am better than you, but he doesn't rub your face. And it's hard to put it into words, but it's just a feeling you kind of get from the way he portrays the character sometimes. And I, I kind of got the same vibe from uh, from Austin's portrayal as Superman. I, I don't know if that that follows, if that makes any sense. But one of the mo- you know Superman. You know, what makes good Superman stories for me is little moments that can be injected into the character where, where he's not being particularly super, like, with powers like throwing cars or something, but he's being super through his, through who he is. And one of my favorite moments was the issue, I think it was at the beginning of an issue. I, don't, I couldn't tell you what the actual story was, but there's a lost girl in a mall, little little girl. And I'm a parent, so these kind of stories always strike a chord with me. But this girl is lost and crying, and she can't find her mother. Who comes to to help her? Not mall security or something, but Superman. And he rescues the little girl, and they go and they find her, his uh, the little girl's mom. And I believe it's the girl's mother that says something about, you know, thank you so much, but you know, aren't there some, you know, isn't there something more important you can be doing? Meaning, you know, God, you're Superman. You should be out, you know, saving the world. And Superman says there's nothing more important than this. And I just think wow. that that's Superman. That's something he would really say. You know, that that's, 
that to me is is the, at the core of his being. He's just a decent human being that realizes the safety of a child is more important than punching uh, dark side in the head. You know mm-hmm. that that that's what he's all about. And and you know, for just a moment, I thought he really nailed that portrayal that I love so much of that character. So that was Chuck Austin that wrote that. I <laughs> I think so. I'm gonna feel like a dope if I'm wrong, but. I'm, <laughs> Pretty sure that was in one of the uh, Austin issues. Okay, respect then. Um, before I forget, actually, before we get too far, uh, with actually with issue, with issue one thirty four, uh, the Man of Steel title ended. Uh, that ended yes. in like uh, I think I have March of two thousand three. Yes, right. So they were starting to pare down the Superman titles. Yeah, we have, I have a few cancellations here. Uh, yeah. We lost the Superman Adventures based on the animated Superman that back in missed. April of two thousand two. Lasted sixty six issues. Uh, the uh, Con L Superboy, or he, he had not yet uh, acquired the sobriquet Connor Kent at that point, ended at issue number one hundred. Uh, July of 2002, and the Peter David uh, Matrix-derived Linda Danvers Supergirl. Uh, that ended in uh, with issue number 80 in May of 2003. And then Kara uh, uh, Zor-El came back uh, just a little over a year after that. So, yes, uh, we, we were down to just action Superman and Adventures of Superman. I'll hate myself later if I don't... Uh... Also uh, mentioned, there was a, a three-issue, I believe it was just three issues, it was a crossover with all of the Superman titles that remained, and it was Superman action, and I believe Adventures of Superman, where um, Superman and Captain Marvel fought again. Mm-hmm. And at first, uh, it looks twice. like it's almost yeah. a rip-off of the, uh, there was a Eclipso mm-hmm. event that mm-hmm. went through annual several years ago, and they fought Absolutely. in that where it was a Superman possessed by Eclipso. But this this battle, uh, maybe it was just the, the Ian Churchill art, but it was fantastic. Yes, and I think it's about the last time I've seen the Eclipso character handled the way I want to see him handled. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was part of the lead-in to uh, the, whole, the whole The Infinite Crisis stuff, because mm-hmm. right after that, the Eclipso gem wound up in Gene Loring's possession, yep. and that led into Day of Vengeance and so on. Yeah. Then they did that Superman, Captain Marvel. Was it First Thunder? Yes. Yeah. The, the I haven't series. read it. It was but I like a retelling of uh, Superman and Shazam's first meeting, and uh, Eclipso was involved there too. Hmm. That I don't remember. Wow. And it was Judd Winnick that wrote that. Then the, the next big thing I have after that lightning strikes twice is the sacrifice storyline. Mm, another biggie. That was just huge, and it, it's. It, I didn't have a problem with it, but some people didn't realize that it actually ended well the first of that it actually ran through action comics i have 829 adventure 642 and superman 219 all of which had second printings with variant covers and it ended in wonder woman 219 basically as, as i remember it it was superman he's he's we just he's just going crazy he i think he beats up batman uh, he's he's trying to save Lois, and something doesn't seem right. It, yeah, it, he's he's elusive. He's elusive. As it turns out, he's being mind controlled by Maxwell Lord, and just I don't know, you've read it, haven't you, Adam? Oh yes. Okay. Yes, yes. <laughs> spoilers, well, I, spoilers, spoilers. If you haven't read it, Wonder Woman two nineteen, when yeah, it took me a while to track that issue down. Basically, you know, Wonder Woman is trying to control Superman. And he's beating the crap out of Wonder Woman. He's just literally beating the crap out of her because Maxwell's controlling her and. I forget he he's, he gets her to stop 
she she gets him to stop for a moment, and then Maxwell Lord says, "You know what? He's got to keep doing this unless you kill me." And the woman just one woman just just snaps his neck, and that was just huge. That was mind blowing at that yeah. time. And it sort of snuck up me the whole storyline. I mean, this actually led into the whole because at this time, I guess we were in the middle of oh god, was it Thrones United? And all those other tie-ins before Infinite Crisis, and I all I thought that Max Lord was going to be the big bad. Yeah. And then when when we when he died in the middle of the whole story, like what? <laughs> Scott, I mean, is this bringing anything to add? Oh to yeah, that? yeah. No, that, that's an excellent. Yeah, that's that's pretty much what was going on. Because um, I'm looking here, and oh, yeah, two the, issues the, later, the uh, project, Action right. 831, where Superman and Black Adam fought. That was a Villains United. Uh, it had the Villains United banner on it. So yeah, all this was starting to come to a head all at the same time. Yeah, but uh, yeah, sacrifice. That was a fantastic story. I really enjoyed that, and uh, you know, it was it was nice to see the building blocks of the next big thing in the DC universe start in a Superman title. Because you know, Superman to me should always be, <coughs> you know, one of the building blocks to to anything that goes. I mean, he's he is the cornerstone of their universe, and so often it seems like he he gets kind of left out when the big things happen so it was nice to see it basically start with him for a change and i, I really like that but that that story had such ramifications oh yeah i'm a, that actually was a, a time with the omac project at the time that's where you think oh here's the big bad max lord no all of a sudden okay what's what's going on and actually i've got to mention after uh the chuck austin ivan rice team you had gail simone and john Byrne. On Action Comics, yeah. for actually, this is where they they did Sacrifice storyline, and I don't remember too much about it, but I heard there was some, some you know, again, John Byrne is sort of famous for his eccentrics, I guess, trips. trips. But does anybody know what happened? Why he left Action Comics at this time? Because he I, just, you know, he sort of just come back to it. He was only on it for I think like seven or eight issues. I think he's... this is pure speculation, but I Go just ahead. recently read somewhere on the net that Byrne has very openly bashed um his inkers i don't know if it was the same guy every issue i know nelson this guy nelson i'm I'm looking strictly at covers so i don't know this artist's first name but the inker nelson was on at least a couple of the issues that burn did and burns on record on his own website putting this guy down and saying how he ruined his art now keep in mind i had waited by this point you know, basically 20 years for Byrne. I always had it in the back of my mind, God, I hope John Byrne comes back to Superman, especially <laughs> in the eras where, you know, where, where Superman, you got one of you guys, I, I believe it was Shane, in, in one of your prior Superman episodes, noted the fact that Superman waxes and wanes, you know? Yes. And he, he's one of the characters that I think does it more drastically than just about any other character. When he's great, he's great. When he's bad, he's really bad. And during those points in the last 20 years where he has really waned, I really got nostalgic for Byrne. I was like, God, I wish John, you know, basically John come save him again, you know. And so when Byrne finally came back to Superman after all these years, I was so excited. And honestly, I don't think Byrne ever looked better. I mean, since he left Superman, he's had some high spots, but I always kind of got the feeling that somehow the heart went out of uh, out of John Byrne once he left Superman. So many of the projects he, he fluttered around to, he just didn't seem like his heart was in it. But when he came back and did those few issues of action, I, I just felt like we were getting the old 80s John Byrne back again. I think he looks fantastic. And to find out that he thought his art was ruined by this guy 
really shocks the hell out of me because it's the best he looked in a long, long time. I agree. Uh, maybe that had something to do with it, but that I don't know. That's pure speculation. Huh. Yeah, I seem to recall the time reading uh, an interview, or at least uh, somewhere where he had gone on record, where he said uh, he, he it had been misrepresented to him how long he would be allowed to stay on the title. He, he didn't realize he was just going to be basically a fill-in before you know the post-Infinite Crisis teams took over. That would kind of hurt, I guess. You know, that was like when uh, when they brought in sort of, and I don't want to bash any artists, so I won't say titles, but some of the DC titles right before Crisis on Infinite Earths, you could tell they kind of brought in you know, a lot of the, the B-listers or a lot of the old guys that, you know, they hadn't given a paycheck to in quite a while and let them kind of write the last issues of certain series before they were canceled or revamped. So I, maybe Byrne had that same feeling of, gosh, they're bringing me in and treating me like so-and-so, you know, rather than the, the superstar that I am or, you know, that he's built himself in his mind to be anyway. I could see that, I guess. Yeah. I do agree with you, Scott. His art on those issues of action looked fantastic. Oh yeah, I I, I really think that that was the burn of old, and uh, it was it was a shame to uh, you know to to get him and and you know I'm I'm glad we got him back, but it was such a short thing. I, I wish it had lasted a little longer. Uh, and then the next thing I have after that is the, all the lead up into and then the occurring of Infinite Crisis. Is that sort of where you guys timeline goes next? Mm-hmm. I believe so. And um, the last um, hurrah, if you will, before Infinite Crisis ended was you had this crossover uh, Superman, like, this is your life mm-hmm. going through action ad- adventures in Superman it- itself. Mm-hmm. Written by Joe Kelly, am I remembering um, that right? I, I kind of think it is, because the whole thing takes place within the, uh, the amalgamated memories of uh, the Superman of the post-crisis Earth and the Earth-2 Superman right. as, they, yeah, it, it is, as they duke it out. It is, it is written by Joe Kelly, and Joe, Jeff Loeb does write a little bit in the Superman issue 226. Yeah. The idea is that the two characters, the post-crisis Superman and the Earth-2 Superman, sort of live each other's lives. Mm-hmm. Somehow they're like switching life experiences, and we get to see a recap of their lives as they were, and then a recap of their lives as they would have been if uh, their personalities were switched and they lived one another's lives. Uh, what, what, uh, like for example, what the Earth Two Superman would have done differently on the post-crisis Earth. Mm-hmm. And just a bit of personal side, uh, Shane, I believe when you were working at Toys Stores at the time, yeah. you would bring the comics and I would read them sometimes before, yeah. before I would get them. Yeah, you brought in I think it was Infinite Crisis number one. Yeah. And when I read that last page of that, yes, I literally was in a break room, just shouting out, "Oh my that god!" Was a oh major my god. whoop moment. Oh, oh yes, just Peter. Great. Peter read it here in the house, and he was in this room when we were all in the kitchen, and he just goes, "Oh!" And he comes running kinda, out, and he's like yeah. jumping up and down. He's going, "Oh my god! Oh my god! Oh my god!" Yeah, that's. I kind of remember that. It was something. It was something I had dreamed of seeing yes. ever since the kingdom had happened, yep. like uh, nearly ten years earlier. So it's it, it was a pretty big OMG thing for yep. me too. Scott, do you have a similar reaction to that when you read that? I I, I did, and I, I hesitate to say what my reaction was. Uh, my my reaction it, it's changed now because mm-hmm. I think it, it turned out to justify itself, and I think it was really good. But my my reaction at the time was uh, was filled with expletives, and I was not a happy camper. Oh really? Uh, yeah, I I really. You know, I, I really didn't want 
to see that that particular character revisited in that way. Um, I, I thought that you know he was the original Superman. He was he was the classic, and and I thought that he and Lois got such a beautiful send off at the end of Crisis. Um, that that I just didn't want to see. See, it, it's been really hard for me to see Crisis given a sequel or 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 really messed with it all over the years because Crisis on Infinite Earths is my watchman. I mean, that's what I hold up as that's the pinnacle of comics to me. And so things like bringing back the Earth to Superman, things like taking um, Alexander Luthor and the Superboy of Earth Prime and making them villains when they were, like, arguably a couple of the greatest heroes of the original Crisis, things like that, just, it just didn't sit with me very well, but... Overall, what they ended up doing with the Earth 2 Superman in the Infinite Crisis story, I, I ended up forgiving them more or less because you know, he was brought back and, and used to, to great effect. He didn't become, thank God, he wasn't a villain like the other two, and I liked it. And I thought we got some really good moments. And eventually, you know, his eventual death actually was a little bit more fitting with him going out in a blaze of glory than, you know, with him kind of just going off and going to heaven like he did at the end of the original crisis. So, yeah, I, I, I liked it in retrospect, but at the time I was not happy. Well, I can certainly understand um, the Superboy Prime and the, and the Alexander Luther thing. As much as I think it's it's certainly good in one perspective, it, it was disappointing to see them brought back and turned into villains just for how they left Crisis on Infinite Earths and, and being the heroes that they were. So I, I do agree with you on that point. I wanted very much to find out that the Anti-Monitor had somehow corrupted them and was controlling their actions, <laughs> yeah. but we yeah. never got that particular revelation. Yeah. I think something like that may be coming along for Superboy Prime. I, I have the feeling that somehow something's going to happen. I, I, I kind of hope that Superman's line in... Uh, in Legion of Three Worlds about trying to redeem him. I, I don't really want to see him redeemed, necessarily. I think he makes a great villain now that I'm used to the fact that he is a villain. So I want to see him remain a villain, but I would like to see him redeemed in the aspect of it's not really his fault, if you know what I mean. Mm -hmm. that, he, that he wasn't a villain at the core, that somehow he's been twisted. Mm -hmm. Um and it, you know, even though he's dead and it's kind of a moot point now, it would be nice to get something like that for Alexander as well. Because I just I feel like that character was done a real disservice by by taking you know him and and, and mutating him into what he he became in the in the sequel story. I just didn't. It just has never sat right with me. But that's just me being an anal fanboy like I am. <laughs> but uh, the other uh, thing that was that just prior to. Uh, Infinite Crisis was the, uh, I believe Greg Rucka was the main writer on it, was the um, the whole thing with Ruin, mm -hmm. that whole storyline. That was going kind of concurrent, I believe, with uh, with the sacrifice story that you, you were talking about. Mm -hmm. And that was the whole thing where there was a character that seemed to know everything about Superman and was like systematically destroying him. And for a time, I mean, I, he was a great Superman foil. I mean, he was outwitting him and outplaying him at, at, at every angle and even seemed to have ways to, like, negate his power and everything. And he was kind of a um, kind of a uh, Hobgoblin-esque kind of character where you knew he 
or at least you suspected he was part of Superman's world, he was part of maybe even his inner circle, but you just didn't know who he was. And I thought he was a fantastic character. I really, and, and the eventual reveal for him was, was pretty good, too, although I think it was a little bit spoiled if you were familiar with what was going on with Justice League Unlimited, uh, the cartoon at the time. I think that kind of spoiled just a little bit of who it might be. But uh, did, did you guys read that storyline? Oh, yeah. Yeah, that, that reminded me of Hush, actually. It was the same general structure, and as in Hush, there was a, a false reveal as to his identity somewhere along the All way. Right. And then later on turned out to be somebody entirely different. What did you think of the reveal itself? I think it's a loss of a, a waste of a good supporting character, frankly. It didn't work for me. Interesting. Interesting. I, I had kind of the same reaction, but I think the blow was softened, like I say, because they had just done it, the, the same thing with the same character on Justice League Unlimited. Um, I don't know if you watched that show at all, but basically this, they took that same exact character... And, and made him a, uh, not really a villain, but they, they put him on the other side. He, 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 became, he worked for the guys that basically agreed that Superman was a bigger threat, potential threat than he was uh, a, a boon to Earth. And so they put him to work creating ways to take Superman down. And so having already gotten used to that idea on that show, I think when they revealed it in the comics, I was like, oh, okay, I can live with it. But if that had never happened on that show, I think I'd have sent... DC some nasty letters, because I liked that character. I, I thought he was one of Superman's uh, cooler, newer friends, you know, that we got post, uh, post-crisis. post Because that's always been one of my things with Superman. As much as I love the character, you know, someone once said, you know, that, that these characters are only as strong as their supporting cast. And sadly, I don't think Superman has a particularly strong supporting mm-hmm. cast. Yeah, people keep trying to beef it up, introduce new characters and such, but they all, they always last just as long as that creative team does, and then they never see him again. Yep. There was one that had a, a heck of a lot of potential uh, a couple years back, and I cannot for the life of me remember his name, but they just took him and they, they basically degenerated him, him into, basically he was a, a Rush Limbaugh clone. And it was really sad because the character had a lot of potential. And I can't remember his name. He was the he was the guy. I don't know if you remember this guy, Adam. He uh, he had a blind daughter that dated that Ooh. big blue scorn guy. Yes, oh, yes, wow. yes, yes. Uh, Armstrong wasn't that his name? Uh, something like that. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, I thought Dirk Armstrong. That's it. Yeah, Dirk. It was Dirk something. Yeah, it could be Armstrong. And I I, I kind of liked where they were going with him, but then by the la- by the last time you saw him, he was basically just a big. You know, bigot, and and it was kind of sorry where they took the character, and that was the last we saw. I thought that was about the last new and interesting uh, supporting character to to see introduced. Well, oh, go ahead, Shane. well, sorry. after I was going to say after Infinite Crisis, I read the Up Up and Away storyline, um, and I kind of think I fell off of Superman for a long time since then. Well, yeah, that that was the one year later jump. Um, what mm-hmm. happened? Um, Superman 649, I'm sorry, Adventures of Superman 649, switched over, kept the numbering, and became Superman. Mm-hmm. Which is what it was to begin with. Right, so now okay. you had Superman with it, with his back to its original numbering. Right. And its original title. And, and original title, and action comics, so they got rid of the adventures, basically. So you had just those two titles. Well, like, they got rid of the Superman Volume 2 that was launched right, in right. the 80s. They just turned Adventures of Superman back into Superman. Okay. And then, like Shane mentioned with... Um, Infinite Crisis ending, and you had the two. You had the one year later, 
which mm-hmm. had the, the Kurt Busiek, the uh, Up, Up, and Away storyline with, uh, I guess, Pete Woods is on the art for that. Mm-hmm. Jeff Johns is co-writer, I think. I believe so. I enjoyed uh, that I, pretty well. I, I'd like to ask Shane, um, I, did the, I did the same thing. Um, post-crisis, I read, it may not have been Up, Up, and Away, but I read a particular issue that was like, oh, that's it, I'm done, I'm, I'm out. And I'm, I'm just curious why you got out, because I'm wondering if it's the same particular nitpick or, or issue. Um, I think it was just I was satisfied with Up, Up, and Away, and to me I didn't need to read anything more of Superman. I, that, that ended my, my love of the character for a while, and I had my fill, and I was waiting for something next to come along, and that was New Krypton, although that is waning for me at, at this point. But that's kind of where I started reading Superman again was just recently again. And uh, we forgot to mention in Infinite Crisis, Superman had much lost his powers when, when he comes to the one year later. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because yeah, was it? He had to drag Superboy Prime through a red sun to depower him so that correct. he could be killed yep. or defeated, I should say. So the one year later is him gaining his powers back slowly. Mm-hmm. What was what was your issue that made you get off of Superman after that? Okay, here I'm going to sound like such a big dork, but... <laughs> well, and, it, and it might be something that I have forgotten. Well, I, I, I guess, you know, if you ever listen to, to our show, um, I mean, this is kind of what I've become... This is my shtick, I guess, is I'm just a big anal retentive fanboy, but uh, it was it was one thing. It was... Uh, and I don't think it was uh, up, up, and away. I think it was whatever the next thing along was. It might have been Last Sun. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure. But anyway, there was an issue where it starts out Superman's in his fortress, which we've never seen before up to this point. It was the the very movie-like crystal fortress, and he goes in and he communes with a bearded holographic Jor-El. Now, up to this point, from, from Burns' revamp to that issue, I would say I had at least 95% of everything Superman had ever appeared in. And and kept up, and suddenly we get this Jor-El that you know, and I'm I just flipped. I was like, what what the hell? Who is this guy? And it just it it just it just hit that button. You know what I mean? And I was like, that's it. I, I'm out because you know. Then you guys did your reviews on it, and, and Jamie came up with the mantra, you know, New Earth, New Earth, New Earth. But to me, it was like, no, I've just invested 20-some years in all this and, and knowing it in and out, and then they pull this crap, and I, I was so done with it. It just, it really just put me off. And I, I dropped it for a good while, and then uh, it was through conversations with, with Peter um, that I, I started picking the books back up and got back up to speed on it. And I've liked some of what I've read past that. I was able to get past some of my, you know, my prejudices and what, but... Uh, I've uh, just recently dropped it again with the new Krypton stuff that's going on. I'd, sadly, I'm just not digging it. No, I, th- I think with me it was just once once Up, Up, and Away ended, I was just done for things that I needed to read and spend money on comic-related otherwise than more Superman stuff. So I don't even think I got to that issue that you're talking about. Was that because you didn't like it, or you just thought, well, that was okay, but it's not enough to keep going forward? Or? Yeah, it, it was okay. I enjoyed it, but it was a good, what, six issues that Up, Up, and Away lasted, and that that was a good time for me to stop and cut cut bait. 
I want to say it was more like eight or nine, because I remember it going back and forth between the two books for a, a number of issues, I mm-hmm. thought. Yeah, actually, like it did. Eight, eight uh, chapters. Eight, yeah. You know, the next four issues of Action and Superman after uh, Infinite Crisis. I liked it, but I saw it, it began to lay the seeds of the things that are going on now that I, I just don't care for, like with the crystals and things like that. Because my, basically, my, my problem with it is it gives me just a, uh, you know, uh, along with just working me up about the whole continuity thing, which I guess I'm just going to have to get past and realize that this is a new continuity, that, that we got a soft reboot after Infinite Crisis. It bugs me because they just didn't come right out and say it, but I, it's, it's implied. So, you know, it's just something I guess we, we're just going to have to live with. But it's this whole idea of taking Superman the movie, and I, I can't believe I feel this way because that is my favorite movie. Not, not just favorite superhero movie, but that's just my favorite movie of all time is Superman the movie. But it's just the idea of taking this movie and making that, you know, three-fourths of the template that they're now going to use to reinvigorate Superman. It would, it would be like if, if in 1986, when Byrne wrote Man of Steel, if he used the Adventures of Superman TV show from 30 years prior as the basis for his reboot. It just, is that what the kids want? You know, does that follow? You know, you know what I mean? That they're taking something, that, a property that's 30 years ago and making that today's starting block? I, I, it just seems awfully strange to me that that's really the direction that they want to go. Yeah. No, I can certainly understand that. I um, With New Krypton, I like Candor, so I got excited for some Candor story, because for me, I've always wondered, well, why don't they just break the little bottle and bring it back to size? Um, barring the problems that that would encompass, I just thought, well, it's Candor. And, uh, but like I said earlier, it's getting long-winded for me, and I'm, I'm getting tired of, of this storyline already. I liked the idea of having Nightwing and Flamebird back, but that's about the only the only thing with Candor that kind of appeals to me. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I wanted to, after the up, up and away, we had you know Kurt Busiek on uh, Superman and the Camelot Falls was a long. I have it's like like about eight issue storyline, and I, I totally didn't need that. I mean, I'm sticking with Super, Superman from from years and years, but. Wow, that just sort of seemed to drag on and on. You had Arian involved with the mm-hmm. whole time thing, different universes. Adam, any, uh, did you read that all, Adam? Uh, well, you uh, did. Did you read yes. it for the article? If you were, you yeah, were... yeah, I needed to at least skim through it to write my article for Comics Now number three. And it, yeah, it, it was longer than it needed to be. Okay. The, the, the upshot is uh, Arian feels that Superman is actually being harmful to mankind, that he's uh, speeding it along the, the road to ruin, it's increasing uh, mankind's dependency on him. and. And uh, then there's this whole uh, tangent into an alternate future where the Earth is in ruins and it's all indirectly Superman's fault. Uh, yeah, it, it's kind of a little bit depressing. Yeah, I'll say. And uh, then they they finished the story in, uh, I believe it was an annual or a special that they had to bring out just to, to tie off loose ends. Right. Same sort of thing with um, the, uh, the Lost Son. That was plagued uh, with Richard Donner and Jeff Johns, plagued with a lot of lateness as well. I wanted to I wanted to read that just because of of who was involved with it, but I I have yet to even touch an issue or a trade paperback of that. It was cool that Superman got to have a son for a little while, mm-hmm. but uh, again the the whole backpedaling thing, which is something that uh, 
well, major superhero publishers seem to do all the time. They come up with something that actually sounds like they're going to innovate with one of their characters and then throw it away. I think that Superman should have been able to keep the kid. And uh, again, tying into the whole... Amen, brother. Yeah, but I'm I'm not sure they should have named it Chris. I mean, this this goes back to what you said, Scott, about uh, the... Uh, Superman movie worship. Uh, the kid didn't need to be named Christopher. And it's nice to give a nod to Christopher Reeve, but come on. It's, they could just... God, uh, I, it never even occurred. You're absolutely right. It never even occurred to me. But yeah, you're right. Yeah, realistically, Superman would have named the kid Jonathan. That's true. But you know, that that was one of my biggest recent disappointments with, with this whole thing was... Uh, I came to really like that kid, and I, I liked the way he and Superman played off each other, mm-hmm. and uh, and Lois too. Yeah, yeah, they were they were starting to finally bond with each other because I, I think she had the same sort of relationship with him at first that she had with Crypto at first, and they seemed like they were actually drawing close and, and bonding as as really as a family unit, and there was a fantastic moment. I can't remember what was going on or what, but there was a threat to the child, and Superman basically, you know, says something: "Don't touch my son" or something, and and it was a it was a real zinger, you know. It was a real moment where you were like, "Wow, you know that that's cool. I I, I like that. I like Superman as father," mm-hmm. and uh, and I was so into it, and uh, I had trouble getting my hands on that annual that wrapped up the whole story. So I wasn't aware of what they, I, I don't want to spoil things. I'll just say that I wasn't aware of what happened to the kid. All I knew is that suddenly he was no longer in the issues. And, and when I finally did get my hands on that and read it, I mean, I, w- I was literally brokenhearted. I was like, that, God, that sucks. You know, one of the coolest things to happen to the character in God knows how long. And it was a total, you know, get used to him, come to love him. And then yank the rug out from under it, and and it was really I I almost kind of feel like they they offed him, you know, because it doesn't under the feel at this point like they're going to revisit that character, and that's such a shame. There's a lot of potential there. I can tell I would not have liked that ending at all. <laughs> I would have I would have wanted him to stay, mm-hmm. just from the little bit of you guys talking. Well, I mean, there's always that potential. I mean, he's not dead, you know. I, I'm hoping that's not too much of a spoiler for he's, but he's he's like they did with uh, with uh, May Parker, the the baby May Parker. Mm-hmm. He's just kind of shunted, you know, to to a point where it feels like permanently shunted. But I, maybe that's just my my feeling. I don't know. That that's just the impression I've got from from DC's stance on the whole thing is that, well, don't get used to the idea that we'll see him again. And that's a real shame. I, I think that that was one of the the biggest story potentials for the character to come along in an awfully long time. Uh, see, after The Last Sun, I got a couple of uh, storylines. We have uh, the third Kryptonian. Mm-hmm. That's where we're introduced to a superwoman. Mm-hmm. And of course, they're going to do another superwoman story mm-hmm. coming up, which is probably not the same character at all. And we have, I want to hear your thoughts on the Escape from Bizarro world, Adam. Ah, <laughs> uh, yes, that's from uh, Jeff Johns' uh, action comics run, art by Eric, Eric Powell, Powell of yep. the Goon. Uh, yes, I liked it quite a bit. Um, Eric Powell's art is not my favorite. Um, I want to go on record here saying that as a Bizarro uh, aficionado, I prefer Bizarro when he looks like his entire body has been roughly hewn out of a large block of chalk. 
Uh, yeah, drawing Bizarro as a zombie, you know, it, it's it's appealing for the current crop or generation of artists, but I don't think of Bizarro as a zombie at all. I think of him as more like a golem figure. Uh, but anyway, yeah, so the art was okay, but uh, not the way I would have drawn Bizarro. But uh, the story-wise, I liked it a lot. I mean, uh, Jeff Johns found, like, the right... Uh, balance of, as I think he put it, uh, humor, horror, and pathos. So really, uh, to show you reasons why you should feel for the Bizarro character, that it's okay to laugh at the Bizarro character, and also that he's a little bit terrifying. And, of course, we get the entire Bizarro world back, which I think is great. I mean, I know it's just more of that Silver Age recidivism, which is... Strikes me as a little creepy and perverse at spots, but for this one thing, I'm all for it. I've, I've been wanting Bizarro World back for I don't know how long, and now we've got it. And uh, Superman even uh, learns that he develops a new superpower now. When he's under a blue sun, he has Superman vision, which enables him to give his Kryptonian superpowers to uh, normal human types just by zapping them with red, blue, and yellow rays from his eyes. Huh. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, that's kind of neat. <laughs> I'm sure it'll come in, come in handy at some point. <clears throat> Has the Superwoman story come along yet? I, I, I missed it if it did. It hasn't. It's It's been solicited, though. It's, it's coming up in the next couple of months. It's in the Supergirl title, I want to say. So so it has not appeared yet? It has not. You, do, you, do you think it's Kirsten Wells? I don't know. Um, How would you feel if it, uh, one way or the other? Well, now, do you mean uh, the pre-crisis Elliot S. Magan, Kristen Wells? Yeah, from the, I the, from the future? that character. I did, too. Well, at least the... in that book. and anyway, That was in, uh, what was it, Miracle Monday? That That's one of my favorite Superman stories, and she was just an interesting character that, that kind of spun out of that book, if you mm-hmm. if you ever read that book. Yeah, so, well, it's a good meditation of on the, the legacy of Superman, the, the idea that this character is going to have an impact on the future. Uh, but I somehow I don't think that this Superwoman is going to be that Superwoman, though. I mean, we were introduced to uh, the the Kurt Busiek introduced third Kryptonian uh, was a, she was a Kryptonian called Karsta Worrell who used Kristen Wells as an alias while she was hiding out. Oh, on Earth. Okay. that's right, that's right. Yeah, I remember that story, and the, the the biggest impression I got walking away from that story is it very. Strangely, it reminded me of an old DC Comics Presents story with Superman and the Atom. It's the one where, if you've ever seen the cover, it's the Atom is at Superman's grave and swearing he'll he'll avenge him. Hmm. And in that story, they time travel, and Superman meets one of his ancestors that's living in the in Earth's past as an I want to say as an American Indian or something. It, it's been a long time since I read it, but it was a it was a really bizarre story of another Kryptonian on Earth, and I just had kind of the same vibe off of that story somehow. Hmm. That is a weird coincidence. Hmm. Was that DC Comics Presents number three? Or, or mm, I want to say like 52 or something like 52. that. Uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, I know Superman teamed up with the Atom pretty early on in the series, but I'm sure they teamed up more than once in the course of the 97 issues. Uh, and then after the Escape from Bizarro World, something I really dug is when Gary Frank came on uh, Action Comics with Jeff Johns, and we yes. have Superman and the Legion of Superheroes. Yeah, I I should backpedal. That was where I jumped back on there Superman. There you go. That was fantastic. Yes. Adam, you, did you read that? Yeah, I did. Um, uh, I know that there's a certain amount of controversy as far as Gary Frank's art. I think I come down oh. on the anti side. <gasps> oh, let's fight. Wow. wow. No, well, we well, I will say... Yeah. 
I don't like how his <laughs> eyes are all wide open and like everybody looks me. creepy. I mean, there's... well, yeah, there, there, there is that, but I just dug the whole. St- I really, I really love the art on it. Yeah, I'm on the I'm on the pro side. Mm, I'm pro. Yep. Yeah, you're outnumbered, Adam. Everybody yeah. just looks like zombies to me. Okay. How about you, Scott? Um, yeah, I I would say with this particular arc, I was I was actually digging it because I remember Frank. Did, wasn't he the artist in the early issues of Supergirl with Peter David? Yeah. He definitely was. And then yeah, Leonard and I remember Kirk an issue, I think it was like number six, where Superman guest starred, and it had an awesome cover with a very Christopher Reeve-looking Superman, and I remember thinking, why isn't this guy drawing Superman? But then this current stuff that's coming along, i, I got to say, I, I fall on the same side. It's, uh, if you'll forgive a shameless plug... Our uh, our episode that'll that'll come up on uh, the third Monday of this month. Um, we had a guest on our show where we talked a little bit of Superman. It's a uh, Green Captain from the forum, and uh, he had the most perfect description for it. He just called it creepy. And <laughs> and I'm with looking him. around the web. Everybody's basically using the same word. It is. It's creepy. It's it's off putting, and uh, I liked it for the for the Legion story and. I feel like I, I, I've been kind of negative in this episode, and I apologize, but one of the, the things that I can say is definitely a huge positive for me. I can forgive just about all of this stuff that's going on with Superman right now if we are truly going to get back the real Legion of Superheroes, you know, the, the classic Silver age you know, continuity Legion then I'm going to give them a pass on everything else because I miss the Legion. I love the Legion, but, you know, with having 80 reboots in the last couple of years, I mean, it's one of those, it's not even once bitten, twice shy. It's like, you know, a dozen times bitten. But if we're really going to get the real Legion back, I'm I'm super excited about that. And also uh, they brought back... uh... Some of the supporting characters we haven't seen for a while, Cat Grant and yeah. uh, Steve Lombard's come yeah. back to the Daily Planet. Yeah, it's looking like they do in uh, All Star Superman. Yes. I might add, with the cheesy mustache for Steve Lombard. And How do you feel about Lombard being back? Uh, I don't like the mustache, but I don't mind him being there. And uh, you have, I noticed that Ron Troop is still hanging around, so we've yeah, got representations right. from different periods of Superman history mm-hmm. at the planet well, right now. I looked it up. Um, today on the web and doing a little research for this episode about Ron, the last issue I read, um, it got me to thinking, now wait a minute, suddenly Lucy's working for for Washington and Ron's at the Daily... I thought they were married and had a baby. They were and they do. Are are they divorced or separated? Not that I'd ever read. Huh. Maybe that'll be addressed at some point coming up. Now also the thing with Sam Lane... Yes. Um, Now, this, again, will seem very nitpicky and very geeky, but one of the issues, it must have been Gail Simone as writer, I'm assuming, because John Byrne was the artist, but there was a story where Lois was in a fatal car accident, and the ghost, and this sounds really silly, but the ghost of Sam Lane came and basically kept her company until help arrived. So how are they resolving, is that a New Earth, New Earth thing, or... (laughs) I, I don't know. It's an editor was asleep thing. Uh, <laughs> they seem to have that problem quite a bit lately. Yeah, don't yeah. they? Yeah. How do you? Now, like... I know that you know calling upon ghosts appearing is you know 
mm-hmm. kind of stretching the, the boundaries <laughs> of, you know, continuity issues, but still it's just one of those things that can stick in your craw, you know? Yeah. Well, I had the same problem when they brought back Sinestro. I mean, when Hal Jordan was the Spectre in his solo series, he encountered the ghost of Sinestro. But, of course, they've explained that um, just about the entire Spectre solo series with Hal Jordan was like a figment of Hal's imagination. So that, that's well, how got... We saw the ghost of Bucky Barnes several times over the years as well, didn't we? Oh, probably. <laughs> uh, and in Superman, we had the coming of Atlas, back from a 70s character, Jack Kirby. Mm-hmm. It was Jack Kirby, right? From the, oh, yeah. Yeah, it was from the first, first issue special. special. Yeah, and uh, yeah, James Robinson's James run Robinson's on back, uh, yeah, Superman. James, we've got to mention James Robinson's on, James Robinson's on Superman. Mm-hmm. With covers by Alex Ross, uh, yeah. who used Atlas uh, for a very small role in uh, Kingdom Come. I did not remember that. Mm-hmm. Yep, you feel, well, he's just in some crowd scenes, but he okay. is there. Do you fellas know that, how you pronounce that artist's name? Ooh, God, Ronaldo um, Guedes, is that it? That's how I've been saying it, but I, I wasn't sure it was. Really, that's really how it was pronounced or not. But that's I like his stuff. Mm-hmm. He was doing uh, one of the Superman. T- it may have been Superman itself. I, I forget, but one of the Superman titles, um, either just prior or just post Infinite Crisis. And wow, I that's where I discovered him. That may have maybe his first work. I'm not familiar with the artist, but boy, I was, I'm digging it. I, I like his stuff. Yeah, he actually did the This Is Your Life Part 2 in uh, Action 836. I think he may have been doing some of the post post, either post action or post Superman. I forget. There was one title he was doing and I, that's where I really started to take note. And uh, yeah, I, I, as much as I'd the the Atlas thing kind of left me flat, but the you know as far as the writing, but the story I thought was was or the uh, art rather I thought was fantastic. And then of course we have the Brainiac storyline in Action Comics. That was also great. Can't comment because I've missed the second part of it. Still haven't been able to found it and find it. Okay. So I've I don't even know what happens so except that Candor shows up. We won't ruin the ending yeah. for you then, no. shall we, Shane? No. Okay. Well, basically, there's a very important. Well, have you read the new Krypton special? Jonathan Kent dies. Yeah, okay. So, yeah. <laughs> so you've read it. There's, you know, okay. I'm almost careful. That's the part I was disappointed about. Yeah, but... You don't need to tiptoe around it for my sake. But the rest of the Brainiac story I enjoyed mm-hmm. very much. Yeah. And that brings us into the new Krypton storyline, which is pretty much up to date right I'm now. sorry I jumped mm-hmm. ahead yep, when we talked about it. still going on. And yeah, I'm still reading it. I'm not too crazy about where it's going, no. but I mean, I've been with Superman for, you know, since I got back into comics. I've got all the issues since then, and I doubt I'm going to be dropping it at all, but I'm still kind of not really keen on the whole thing, but now... But I can tell I'm, you, I'm, I'm dropping it. <laughs> well, that, that's fine. Yeah. I'm sticking with it. Yeah. It's it's a new approach I mean, to a Silver Age concept. I'm and... getting all the new Krypton stuff, but after that, when he goes off on that 12-issue stint that they're soliciting, I probably won't get that. Yeah, I don't see myself paying too much attention to that either. But new Krypton storylines itself, going through all these titles, that I'll finish. And uh, isn't there like a um, secret origin Yes, coming up in the next, in the new year, yeah. So this is going to, they're officially acknowledging the soft reboot, as you said, Scott, that uh, Superman has gone through since Infinite Crisis. They're finally going to cop to that, and they're going to give us some specifics. Uh, But the whole thing is supposed to be from uh, the POV of Superman himself. It'll be told in the first person, which is something that 
hasn't been done with a Superman origin retelling to date. So what do you think? It'll stick. <laughs> In the words of try. Mark, as Mark Wade said, uh, when he first uh, released uh, Birthright and it was revealed that this was a new origin for the character, someone asked him how long he thought it would stick. He said, what time is it? <laughs> <laughs> Very good. Um, do we have anything else to add to the uh, proceedings? I'm uh, I'm curious what you guys think of the uh, of the the death of Jonathan Kent. I'm disappointed. I don't I don't think you need Jonathan Kent dead. I'm perfectly happy with him there. Yeah. Again, like it seems we're going back to the the whole movie yeah thing again. Mm-hmm. Well, movie and well, Silver Age too. Because right. Well, they were. But he was never really dies. he wasn't really alive. Well, I mean, in Superboy he was back at the time, but in mm-hmm. the Superman titles he he, he wasn't. It was a whole John Byrne thing bringing him back. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess they, they did actually, we should have seen it, not seen the coming, but in uh, JLA, Justice League Zero, mm-hmm. they had all those like vignettes. Yep, yep. One of them was you know, Death of Jonathan Kent, so yeah, shouldn't be surprised that that actually came no, to fruition. Eh. Still disappointed. Still, still a bummer, though. Yeah. I'm afraid oh, yeah, that, That's what I was going to say was, uh, I, I wondered, you know, should we have seen this coming? Because, and, and that's not to sound arrogant at all, because I'm one of these people that, you know, when they do things like Hobgoblin or Ruin, you know, I always pick you know some wacky character that it never turns out to be. So I'm not <laughs> saying you know, I'm not putting myself up by any means saying, "Well, I saw this coming." But you know, between the continuity with Superman, you know, the Superman movies, which they picked up with Superman Returns, and then the recent um, Superman and the Legion of Superheroes cartoon, where you know we had uh, you know Superboy living with uh, with just his mother, and there were constant references to the fact that his dad was dead. I kind of do wonder if maybe we should have seen this coming, is that this is where the the property as a whole was kind of headed towards, you know, mm-hmm. just to put everything kind of on the same page, if you know what I mean. So I wasn't shocked that it happened, but I was deeply disappointed that it happened. And I think it was ruined for me by reading uh, an online article on CNN by accident, because <laughs> it was all over the news before it came out. Freaking journalists. Bastards. Get off my lawn! So anything else to add, uh, guys? I just hope they bring Jonathan Kent back sometime. Mm. Well, I mean, I mean, this is totally off topic, but Superman related. That's why I stopped watching Smallville. Pretty much was when Jonathan Kent. Ah, okay. I for, yeah, I okay. forgot that was the other one That's with true. Smallville. That's right. I totally. But I, eh. I gotta tell you, it's real, I'm really enjoying it this year. I know they're, they're amping up that. the Lois Lane Superman on um, the Clark Kent romance. Mm-hmm. Uh, they brought back you know Green Arrow, who I love. They're having a whole Legion. That's the next episode. It's a Legion Ooh, episode. Is it? Is That's that the next one that's going to come right. up. I think it's a week from this Thursday right. as we record that this. I'll watch. So. Mm. But I'm I'm just disappointed. I like Jonathan Kent. I like father figures. I'm I'm very close to my dad. I I hope my kids think of me the way I think of my dad. And when they take Jonathan Kent away, that just saddens mm-hmm. me. Um, Scott, you want to give a plug for your uh, your podcast since you talked about that a little before? Oh, thank you. Uh, yeah. Um, our show is called. Two True Freaks. You can find it at uh, Libsyn. It's two true freaks.libsyn.com. That's T W O True Freaks.libsyn.com. Um, I do it with my best friend, um, Chris Honeywell. Uh, we've known each other for like 30 some years, since the fourth grade, basically. And I'm, <laughs> I'm 40, so that's how long we've known each other. And we just kind of BS about you know, everything geek wise under the sun. Um, we just restructured a little bit to where on the first um, Monday of the month we do a Star Wars-related episode, 
you know, talking about whatever's going on with Star Wars, and we're right now reviewing the Marvel Comics um, Star Wars series in order, which is a lot of fun. That was kind of my gateway drug into comic books. <laughs> um, second Monday of the month, we talk classic Star Trek, and third Monday we do comic books, and we're talking about The Walking Dead right now, and then the last one's just a wild card where anything goes, and we talk about all kinds of crazy shit on that episode, so... <laughs> Please join us. And uh, once again, I mean, you guys have got an open invitation anytime, please. I know that Shane's really into the Marvel comic Star Wars. You know, we'd love to have you. Um, I, have I know Jamie D loves classic Trek. Um, so please, any of you guys ever want to come on board? And, uh, and Brian, uh, I know you're into the Star Wars uh, universe and the Star Wars audiobooks and all that. So you know, any of you guys ever want to come on board, just let us know. I've been overdoing it with Star Wars audiobooks, it seems. <laughs> <laughs> I, I take it you got my package. Yes, yes, very well received <laughs> and enjoyed. And the guy did, at work is enjoying it too. Check out the Superman movies that were in there. Uh, no, you know what? I haven't even. Uh, I have the disc right here. I have to let the other guys know about this stuff because that's oh, my so fault. Star Wars stuff. I'm bogarting the disc here. I just haven't partaken yet. Well, the yeah. Superman that's in there is the very rare and very prized um, KCOP version of Superman the movie. It is the longest, most complete existing version of the film incorporating all usable footage. Hmm. And it is a sweet ride if wow. you like that movie because my favorite effect shot of the whole film is only on that cut. It's, uh, it's, a, it's a, like a two-second shot of Superman kind of sideways swooping out of the sky to catch the first missile, which zips around him, and he's got this, like, what the hell look on his face. Like, he can't believe the missile just evaded him. It's beautiful, and why they cut it, I don't know, but it's a crime. It's worth, it's worth looking at just for that. Very it's VHS cool. quality, which I apologize for, but it's definitely worth watching. That won't bother me, Eddie. Yeah. No, no, I'll certainly give Very that a cool. Look. And uh, I threw in, I can't remember what else I threw in, there's just some other wacky stuff. And I threw in uh, Superman 4, which I know always raises eyebrows. People are like, eh, Superman 4. But that extended one's worth, worth watching just for a good chuckle. There's, there's some added scenes that are just added silliness, so it's, that one's a lot of fun. There's a Superman 1988 Ruby Spears cartoon? That oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, yes. On CBS, I think. Huh. Yep. If you like the burn stuff like I do, you'll love that. Especially that very first episode totally feels like, uh, well, it actually feels like one of the, uh, oh, help me out. Who was writing Adventures of Superman right after the reboot? Was it Marv Wolfman? Whew, I don't know. I'm trying to remember. It was Marv Wolfman or Mike W. Barr, one of the two. I think, I think it was Wolfman. But it was. It feels like one of those comics. It feels like an Adventures of, of Superman. Like there was an issue right after the reboot where he fought a tank that was robbing a bank or something like that. And boy, does that episode feel like it's an adaption of, of that issue. It's really fantastic. But, well, you know, Luther's got the kryptonite ring and the whole nine yards. It's, it's, it's just a lot of fun. Well, didn't we talk about on the other media that actually I think Mark Wolfen was involved with the cartoon? I wasn't there for that one. Uh, I'm pretty sure we did anyway. He had something to do with it, but I couldn't tell you what. The one that I do know was very heavily involved was Gil Kane. He did all the uh, oh, that's right. whatever they call those sketches that they yeah. do for the preliminary stuff. Mm -hmm. uh, character Model like sheets. a character key. Models, yeah, that's Model it. Model sheets. sheets. That was it, yeah. <laughs> but I think, yeah, I think uh, Wolfman did have something or other to do with that. Maybe the series Bible or something like <laughs> a that. A Mac hit, that's what I'm thinking of, a statue, never mind. 
Well, well, hopefully we covered a lot of the stuff, but if we forgot something, you know, please let us know in the forums. Go to thecomicforums.com, leave some feedback, and uh, once again, Scott, who's new fund number six on the forums, thank you for joining us. Thank you so much for you don't you have no idea how much this means to me. Um, my kids will now think I'm the coolest guy on the block, <laughs> um, which never happens. So, <laughs> but, but in, uh, seriously, this was the this was the nicest belated Christmas present I could ever have. Thank you so much for having me. It's been an absolute blast. Oh, you guys are Scott. You, you, joy to have you on the show. Thank you for all you do for for not just for our show, but just for the for the comics community. I, I really mean that from the bottom of my heart. You guys are fantastic. Oh, well, thank you. That's thank very you. nice thank to hear. You. All right, sir. Well, have a great night. You too. It was so nice to talk to you guys. Yep, and we'll you. see take you on the forums. Be in touch. Okay, take care. All right. You too. Bye-bye. 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 And thus go. ends the spotlight on Superman. Yeah. 70 years of Superman behind us. Now on to tomorrow. Well, on actually, to Batman. on to Batman, Batman. next. Uh, Peter, and tomorrow. <laughs> Peter hinted we might do the Golden Age as early as sometime in February. Holy All right. God. I better... Break out my Batman the Complete. Well, first, I better buy the, my Batman the Complete History by Les Daniels. Oh, that's such a I think I have book. a copy of that. I have, hard, I have a nice hardback of that. You have the Chronicles to look through as well in the archives? Uh, I have the first two Chronicles, and I might have the first archives. Okay. Very good. God, there it is. Put that on the schedule. All right. Well, this episode of Comic Key Speak was sponsored by Drawer Boxes. Go to collectiondrawer.com to get all the information you need on the coolest way to store your comics inexpensively. That's collectiondrawer.com. All right. If you'd like to send us an email, it's comicgeekspeak at gmail.com. Visit our website at comicgeekspeak.com where you can find all the other Spotlight episodes on Superman that we've done, which is a whole bunch. And to leave us a voicemail, the number is 215-279-8839. To be part of the greatest community of comic fans ever, go to thecomicforums.com. And we want to give a big thanks to everyone who has donated to the show. We couldn't do the show without you. And as always, we are uniting the world's mightiest heroes, one listener at a time. <laughs>